Welcome in. This is the latest edition of the Character Concerns Podcast. My name is Chris Unosero. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jay Binkley. Bink, we have now finished week four yeah. of the college football season. Which is insane to even say that. I know. it's It's been a month now. And these games have been flying. It's really been five weeks if we count week zero. Um, it has flown by thus far. We are almost, I mean, we're at a point now where conference play is starting to ramp up here. They're starting to see some teams in the different conferences face off against each other. And you're starting to see a little bit of clarity as far as who the real contenders and who are not the real contenders. And also, you are starting to see clarity as far as who are real top prospects at their position for the NFL and which ones were all hype, which ones who were put out there and can't quite live up to that that billing. It's separation now, and we did see the big games because a lot of times, you know, scouts will look at, okay, what'd you do against Alabama? What'd you do against Texas? Right. What'd you do against, I don't care what you did Ohio against. Ohio State, Notre Dame, I don't Dame, care what Michigan. you did against UT Martin. I don't care what you did against Minnesota State. What'd you do against Tennessee? Right. And you start to see the separation. It's so some teams played some good quality non-conference opponents where you could kind of judge things. But now it gets real. Now it gets real. You know, I'll never forget. I used to go to Missouri games all the time. And one thing I always like to do when they got in there, see which teams were there. Because they'll say, like, Atlanta Falcons scout or Kansas City Chiefs scout. Or, yeah. You know, and Dorsey was down there a lot for Missouri back when he was GM. He would – I was just curious. I'd always ask him. He'd tell me. i said, who you, who you watching today? And it's always interesting, you know, seeing all the scouts load up at Oregon and Colorado game. You know, right. see what's going on with – with that crew, but just seeing where these scouts are. And Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl, he's starting to put together his list of players to go. But we've got some newcomers, man, some guys that were kind of off the radar. We'll get into them. They were kind of off the radar that have clearly put themselves right on the NFL radar. And it's not like high school football. And I, I think when guys are really good, and you say, why is that kid just a two-star? Why is he a three-star? It's because people weren't noticing them. Right. They didn't have the college coaches in attendance. And if they were, they were zeroed in on somebody else when the real talent was right there. For example, like Marcus Mariota, you know, a Heisman winner. He was a two-star kid. He was offered by, like, Hawaii and Oregon. I mean, that's a guy that fell through the cracks. Mahomes fell through the cracks. Three-star, got two offers, I think. Yeah, Rice and Mac Brown had a history of wanting to Texas make people Tech. defensive backs. He wanted to make RG3 a defensive back. He wanted to make Johnny Manziel a defensive back. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't see the value at quarterback. But now you start to really see uh, what NFL teams are looking for, to be honest with you. A lot of them are looking how to stop fifteen. Patrick Mahomes, like, <laughs> yeah. You look at college players. Like, who's that? Who's that star? Uh, well, I say who's star defender. Like what Alabama guy. uses the safety corner. Who can they put pressure yeah. on Mahomes? As teams like to load up for that. So you're starting to see a lot more of that. And and one theme that you and I have been talking about a lot is just the physicality, the bigness of these receivers. Because we're starting to see some guys, like one of the guys we liked as receiver last year, even though he's smaller, Tank Dell. It's really putting on a show in the NFL. Tank Dell, yeah, he's he's smaller, but he's he still got he, he got some. We're going to see him. a lot of Quentin Johnson with the Chargers because guess what? Because Mike Williams, Mike hurt, Williams so. your annual Mike Williams. Injury, it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, I but mean, this year they're all bigger, stronger, physical it, wide receivers. And it's funny because you you bring up the point about seeing scouts at games. I yeah. remember one time I did go to Mizzou, Florida, back in 2015, and there was a Tampa Bay scout there. And the very next year in the draft, they took Vernon Hargraves <laughs> out of Florida. So I was like, I, and I thought that that's, that might be who they were scouting there because Hargraves was getting a lot of hype pretty much all throughout the, his time in high school. I think he was an IMG Academy kid. Yeah, a lot of times and, the scouts will continue oh, every yeah. game. And I, and I knew it immediately. I was like, I wonder if he's here for Hargraves because that's the only guy on either team that was that was being looked at really high for the for I mean, the draft you can scout year. guys as much as you want. You can bring them in. You can run 40 times on them. Uh, just like Puka slipped down, right. you know, because of the, the 40 time. But you can go to all these games and watch them play. There's more value in going out here and seeing how they act. And if they're on a bad team, how do they act with adversity? When they're down by 35 points, how much do they play? How hard do they play? But there's a lot to be determined when you actually go out and watch the games. One of the guys I think is starting to, like, show who he is in a negative light, a guy that you brought up to me via text on Saturday afternoon, uh, edge rusher for Florida State, Jared Verse. This is a guy I've been hearing about for the last year now because I was seeing him on way too earlys a year ago as far as being one of, if not the top edge rusher in the draft 
Last year obviously didn't happen. This year, though, he was at the top of almost every single list that I saw for edge rushers in this draft class. And, you know, thus far, we just completed week four, he's got no sacks on the season. Not a single sack. He's talked about that before with the media, saying that, you know, I'm going out here and playing my position. I'm not too worried about statistics. But at a certain point, you got to produce, right? Yeah, you got to put up some numbers. And Jared versus that guy. And the one thing, I'm, Dallas Turner from Alabama is sitting behind him because Alabama keeps turning out these, these. you saw Will Anderson last year, but they keep turning out these edge rushers once they get their chance. They're, be, they they're their becoming the edge rusher school now. But he was noticeable. You watched the Old Miss game, you know, he was chasing around Jackson Dart, the quarterback at Ole Miss, chasing him around all over the place, making a difference in a game. And that's what you want for an edge. What is a guy that can make a difference? It's like Kayon Thibodeau for the Giants when he was at Oregon. Like, if you watch his game and he was healthy in that game, which there was sometimes he wasn't, but he would make a difference in the game. You know, he hurried the quarterback's throwing. He get to the back. But Jared Verse from Florida State was the guy we all wanted to watch. He was the guy we sit there. I've watched a lot of Florida State play this year. And I texted you. I was like, when is he going to do something? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm watching Dallas Turner over here playing for Alabama. He's killing it. Destroying Jackson Dart and Ole Miss winning a game for him. Like, Florida State's a very good football team. They go into Clemson, a very good team. It's a good judgment game on Jared Verse. Right. But he didn't do anything against Clemson, and that's one of the games we talk about. You know, you want to showcase yourself in those games. Yeah, and, like, here's the thing. At the very minimum, accrue statistics against the tackles that are not at your level. He has not done that this year. He has struggled to accrue statistics at all. And now you're in conference play. Now you're playing tougher teams, tougher games. I mean, we we have I've looked at him like I remember watching that that LSU game that they played, and I was just like, "Where's Where's Jerry Verse at? Where's he at? He's going. This is prime competition right here. Uh, LSU is one of the best recruiting schools out there. You got to show up." And I didn't even notice him out there in that game. Like seriously, I did not notice that he was out there. That you didn't. Then you say, "Okay, we'll just." Wait for the clip. Don't don't worry about the Boston College. Maybe game. it's early. We'll in sit the here because I didn't watch much of the Boston College game, even Me though they neither. gave him a run. But right. I said I'm gonna watch this Clemson game, and I watched almost the entirety of the Clemson. Me too. Florida State game, uh, just because there's some guys to watch in that game. But Jared Verse was not one of them. No, it was Jordan Travis show. Yeah, it was Johnny and, Wilson and Keon show. Coleman and Keon Coleman. Yeah, and, and he of all those guys on his team, it was a wide receiver. Stood out. <laughs> He was not one of the guys. He and wasn't. Mind you, again, this is the guy that we have heard as potentially the top edge rusher in this draft class. It's something we talk about in the spring. We look back and because we'll reference these games, say, well, you know, watching the Clemson game, watching the LSU game, I was waiting for him to stand out. Yeah, he made some plays against Boston College. Okay, who cares? Another guy I think we need to talk about here is uh, Shador Sanders, quarterback out of Colorado. Uh, this past weekend, Colorado got smacked by Oregon. It was not competitive. I mean, that game was over in the first quarter. And I think both of us thought that Colorado would lose that game. Yeah. I don't think we thought that they would lose that game by that not much. Not that fast because they have a lot of NFL talent. Right. And, and the scouts were all there. It is interesting to note Dan Lanning, the coach of Oregon. He talks so much trash. Played at William Jewell. Oh, he, yeah. he got his first coaching experience at Park Hill South. Right up here up north. So, and then Greg Jones, remember him from, he's been on, he was on our high school yes. show and everything from yes. Kearney, Liberty North. Yes. He was on his staff last year for the Oregon Ducks. So, that's got Kansas City written all over it. But it's just a game that, uh, looking at some pro prospects, we couldn't see Travis Hunter. No, nope, obviously. He and he, he's interesting, even though he's got one more year to go. Xavier Weaver, uh, the wide receiver at Colorado, is really interesting. Good game. And I started to look at these guys and say, okay, who's going to show up now when they're down? Who's going to shine when they're down? And we just didn't see it from Colorado. Yeah, and I, I, the interesting thing about that whole situation is that Dion has come out now and has basically alluded to the idea that Shador might not enter the draft this coming season, this coming offseason, 2024. He might not enter the draft. He might wait a year and essentially wait for Caleb Williams to have his turn to be taken number one. If Caleb Williams decides. If he decides to do it, yeah, that's the biggest. Shooter's making like the five, biggest, over $5 million in nil. Exactly. So, like, I can understand that mindset. But 
you're basically got Dion alluding to his son Shador basically not like waiting out Caleb Williams so that he can be the number one overall. Do you think that's a good idea? No, it's a terrible idea when you have a chance. Because here's the thing: who do you think? You think the Chiefs are going to be drafting one? <laughs> I mean, it's like they have Mahomes, <laughs> these good teams. You think Buffalo's going to be drafting one? No, right. it's going to be crappy teams. It's going to be the Bears. It's going to be the Cardinals. It's going to be, and you know what? Next year's going to be no different, Chris. <laughs> the teams at the top of the draft are going to be teams you probably don't want to go play for. Right. I, I my, I, well, you kind of learned this lesson with Matt Barkley. If you got a chance to go, go. I go. Just go. Like, yeah, I know. Oh, what about school? You could do that later. Like, I used to be in the camp when I was in college. Oh, you got to finish your degree out and get all that. You can do that whenever you want. These guys have money and they have time. They can finish their degrees out whenever they want. But I'm, I'm interested in – I want as many quarterbacks can go because Stewart's a first-round quarterback. It makes it easier for the Chiefs. Yeah. Again, yeah, you're looking at the Chiefs. All of a sudden, if they win the Super Bowl this year, they're, you know, picking 32nd. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, that becomes picking 24th exactly. or 23rd because yeah, you have all these quarterbacks. Because yeah. we're just talking like if there is six quarterbacks taken, it does rival that 83 draft class, and you're sitting there, and then you throw in a couple – you know, a couple tackles. Throw some edge rushers. There's edge, probably more, like more tackles Verse, than a couple. And you throw in uh, Mason Smith, you know, from LSU, the nose tackle. And you throw in some of these guys. And all of a sudden, they're picking kind of in that sweet spot. Because usually first-round grades are given out. Well, typically, like Trip McDuffie, when he was taken, about a 20. Chiefs saw him as, like, top. They had 20, 21 top 18. guys. They thought he was top 18. Graded first round. Cause just and he was there at 21. Because just because you're picked in the first round doesn't mean you're a first-round talent. It means that, okay, like this year, there was probably like twelve to fifteen guys rated uh, as first round selection. I think it depends on the team because um, I I could I mean I think the Jets like I wouldn't have had Will McDonald the fourth as a first round pick, but clearly the Jets did because they took him in the teens. So I think it depends on the on the squad. Some teams probably had close to twenty. Some teams probably only had you know fi- twelve to fifteen or so. Uh, I I I do think though that. If and, and same thing with Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams, his father has also brought up the prospect of him sitting out, a, him coming back for another year and playing there. I just don't think that's the best idea. And this week is Shadour versus Caleb Williams. Yeah, because like here's the thing: you're going to play on a bad team anyway. Yeah, it's not like it's like to pick a good team. You're just so, not. So if you, it's going to be a the, new coach probably. Yeah, it's going to be a new coach. So you skip the Cardinals this year or whoever's the worst because I I don't I'm not sure that I don't think the Cardinals are the worst team in the NFL. And it might still be them. I think I think the Bears are probably the worst. <laughs> and team the Bears in the NFL. can hold that position for a couple years. Yeah, the Bears look terrible. I mean, I mean, that, there's no hope in sight with that. No, team. they're just I mean, seriously. Justin Fields doesn't look like he has it. He can't read defenses. The defense isn't good. Even though Matt Eberflus who took over that job does not look good. But it does matter. He's calling defense. I had someone ask me just this weekend on on text. He said. You know, if Pat Mahomes goes somewhere else, is he as good? And I said, listen, he's always got that talent, but it takes that coach combination. It does. And here's the thing with Tom Brady. If he gets drafted by Cincinnati back in the day, remember they kept peddling around with Achilles Smith and guys like that? Yeah. If Tom Brady goes somewhere else, like Cleveland or something, is he selling for State Farm at this point? Maybe. It does take the right opportunity. It takes the right mix. Do I think Mahomes would have succeeded in other places? I do. But maybe not to this extent, not having Andy Reid. The whole collection, the culture, the Andy Reid, the most brilliant play caller in the NFL, working with Mahomes, that makes a difference. Do I think he could have won rings in Buffalo had they stayed at 10? 100%. Yeah, I think I think so too. I, not I think, dynastic like we're going to see here in Kansas City, but right, he still wins one. Right. Like he one had, of the few places. I think, it, I think at the very minimum, he's what Aaron Rodgers is without the Chiefs. I think he's wins a title, then probably does a lot of – Wins a lot of playoff games, doesn't do a whole lot of championship winning, but still is considered one of the greatest. Of his it's era. like Tim Couch. What if he's drafted somewhere by else? a non Brown Reed? His whole, yeah. his whole life. Exactly. What happens? Probably better off. I mean, seriously, I, I, I say this about Geno Smith. Is like I don't think Geno Smith would have been that much worse. He might have been the same level as Alex Smith if the Chiefs would have taken him because you you're going to a great system and you're going to a great coach. Sometimes you need an injury like Bledsoe right. for Brady to step in. Uh, or Wade Davis, it was a fledgling starter yeah. that was probably going to be in Omaha to start the year. Ho Chaper goes down with Tommy John. They said, you're in our bullpen. Yeah. Then he goes out and the Wade <laughs> Davis story's written. Yeah, but he's great. He, he might not have ever got the chance. No. So, he, yeah, I mean, it, it, it matters who you're going with, the scheme you're in. But, again, you're looking at some of these teams. They're going to have new coaches, new coordinators. 
<laughs> you got to get used to it. And another, You're not going to great teams. And another part about this whole scenario is, yeah, like, why would you want your son to go, a wor- go to a worse team? Like, yeah. why would you? If I were Dion, I want my son to go to a team that is not that far off from winning. Or maybe they've got an older quarterback and they would like to transition into the next stage by having a quarterback that they can groom behind that quarterback. I mean, if you're making three to five million nil, I mean, that, yeah. that's one good thing about nil. It really yeah. makes the decision kind of difficult for players to do. I think it's not like Kyler players. Murray, I think you know, was drafted yeah. top 10 in baseball and football. Think about the kind of cash he could have been bringing in with yeah. nil. Oh, there's a lot of guys that. But instead, uh, he's fledgling NFL player. Oh, yeah. You know? Like Tim Tebow would have been on every commercial no. if he would have gotten in. His nil would have been ridiculous. It would have been crazy. He probably would have been the highest earner. Yeah. Uh, so I. I do want to finish off our main topics here, talking about a player that did get an unfortunate injury, um, albeit I don't think it is super serious. He did get injured. Marvin Harrison Jr. sprained his ankle in the game against Notre Dame this weekend, and he continued to play on it, which, you know, kudos to him for showing that toughness. But it brings up the question that we see all the time, and, it you know, there's a lot of, like... There's a, there were a lot of speculation about his former teammate, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who last year was the highest rated receiver in the draft and also had, he, I think he had a hamstring injury, missed, missed a lot of games. Some people, I remember Todd McShay. The year before, he was actually a stud. He was I, great. I think he, he was right on. He was, actually, his numbers are he better, was a better than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Right, he was a better producer than yeah. the two guys that went in the in the draft the year before he was available in the first round. And so the question I think becomes, if you're Marvin Harrison Jr. and you know that you're going to be the top receiver prospect, regardless of what you show on tape, because the little that he's shown on tape this year has been great. Last year, he was the best wide receiver in college football. Should he go a full 100% out there? Should he kind of look out for himself some more? Or... And also, should he just decide, hey, if I am not 100%, should I just sit out some games just to make sure and I don't injure this further? I would want to see it. I would hate to see it because he is a competitor. That's the one thing about him. He's a competitor. But in all reality, let's be honest. Remember remember these GMs used to be like, well, I want guys to play in bowl games and things like that. Right, They didn't do it. They're like, okay, they backed off that stance. The thing is, with his size, with his speed, He's going in the first round. He's going in the top five. Whether he plays another game or not, right? these GMs don't care. They, he's a pro prospect. I mean, let's see. I saw one thing that was a great comparison. His his ceiling is Calvin Johnson. And his floor, it was a very good receiver. And I can't remember who they – maybe it was T. Higgins or something. So it's like, it's a great floor. The floor was T. <laughs> it's a great floor. And – this, I could be wrong on that, but it was it was like that, and the ceiling definitely was Calvin Johnson. Okay, well if that's your floor and ceiling, and we're 100 percent sure with that, what can you gain and lose? Because he can't. Here's like he can't gain draft. Pro, uh, he can't uh, go he can't higher imp- up. He can't he improve can't his draft. He can't. Can't improve. He's not Caleb Williams, so he's probably at best number two. But and I'm not sure he can much ruin it outside right. the top ten. I don't think he can ruin his draft prospect status. Yeah, because if he falls to like ten. Look for some major trades. Look for the Kansas City Chiefs to jump down there. Oh, yeah. I, if I were him, because, like, I could see someone doing what they did with, like, Jalen Carter, where they talk themselves out of Jalen Carter, which, you know, there could very well be some teams that have some buzz that, that wish that they had not done that. I know it drove you uh, nuts. Like five years, people are like, what the I hell know, did we do? I, I was sitting on there, I was like, because like, I think both of us thought he was going to go top five. I I was like. I just do, because oh, they're going to clear him and all of a sudden people right, are going to regret you know, it. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was for sure Atlanta. Because he's a good dude for all intents and purposes. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, made some mistakes, but you know. Kids do. Yeah, he's a kid. So, but I mean, made a big mistake thus far in his career. He's been great. Allegedly. He's been great in his career. Yeah. And I, it in this situation, it's just like if I am Marvin Harrison Jr. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking self preservation because you don't want to get that one injury that follows you through your career well, or affects your. It might be what Jackson Smith was doing too. Yeah, you know I, what I'm saying? I, I I think there's a chance that JSN was doing that cuz it's a smart thing to do. But even with NIL out there, it's like in in the position of Marvin Harrison Jr. 
the big thing you don't want to have happen, not the injury that, because I don't, I agree with you. I don't think his draft stock's going to get killed too much uh, for whatever happens. But what if he gets the real bad injury that people really kind of question, is he going to be the same guy after? An Achilles, ACL, it, you know, multiple ligaments in the knee. Like, what if he gets something like that? Like, or if they don't beat Notre Dame, does that change things? Yeah. Because now all of a sudden, you oh, know, yeah. that college playoff starts being talked about. Right. You know, the, the legacy winning a ring. So, if you lose Notre Dame, does that start to change things when you get that early L? If they're not in the college football playoff, I, I don't think you should play in the bowl game. No. Oh, yeah. I don't think you should play in a bowl game at no. all. So I just at this like Alabama point, resting everybody last year. They started right. him, but they didn't really play. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really. They was like, like okay, Will Anderson played, but not really. Not really. No, he was he was looking out for his draft. He prospects. was there, but like I I kind of feel like that's the situation that Marvin Harrison will have to think of, especially if they get out of bowl contention. They get out of playoff contention. He's definitely got to start have. thinking about next year. So uh, definitely the the ankle injury could be concerning. Well, let's call it what it is because I know a lot of people are talking when the XFL and the USFL, they're combining next year, they're merging. Yeah, they are. For spring football and everybody's like, well, the NFL needs to get on board with this. No, they don't. No. College <laughs> football is the ultimate minor leagues for it pro is. football. It right. will never change. They don't have to pay for injuries. They don't pay for anything. College football will continue to play. The best players will be there, and that's who's going to the NFL. So – Yes, would it be cool if the NFL jumped on board with the XFL and USFL and put some of their prospects or practice squad guys? Yes, but keep this in mind. College football is 100% free yeah. for talent evaluation. For Not the only NFL. that, but it's a great way to build up your future stars. Yeah. Because, I mean, we saw it with Trevor Lawrence. We saw it with Deshaun Watson. Um, we saw it with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Like, guys who were already superstars at the collegiate level – and then they go to the pros, and they're already made. You don't have to do – like, baseball, you have to create, start from the ground up because nobody watches these guys in the minors except for the most die of diehards. And it is just so uh, difficult for them to create stars. It takes years to do it at the, at the, at the, in football. It doesn't take that long. Oh. There's not a big learning curve there. <laughs> so it doesn't take that long. So, yeah, I agree with you. There's no need for minor leagues. So I want to get to our weekly prospect recap. Um, three tight ends, I think. I, I'm really tracking the progress because I think the Chiefs uh, should absolutely consider one of these guys if they are available, it, whether they end up deciding to trade up or take them where they are. Uh, first off, the guy that we've been talking about really heavily who's kind of come, you know, worked his way up there, Jatavian Sanders, tight end out of Texas. This past weekend, five catches, 110 yards, putting up wide receiver production. And that, to me, is a great indicator for what a tight end is going to do at the next level. Good quarterback and Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Third on the Heisman list at this point with the odds. So, yes, Jatavian Sanders wasn't really used much in that Rice game, and I was like, scream it to where use this guy. Yeah. It's a guy that was mocked to a couple Chiefs uh, yeah. in, in a few I've early seen, mock I've drafts. I've seen a couple early mocks to him. It, I still think uh, Jatavian has made his way up uh, a lot higher than that. I'm thinking 18 through 25 at this point instead yeah. of 32 where he's yeah. barely making the first round because, I mean, he's showing he's a special player. And then uh, our other guy that we've talked about a lot out of Georgia who's, you know, I still think has a very good shot to be the top tight end in this draft class, but Sanders is giving him a run for his money. Uh, Brock Bowers out of Georgia, nine catches, 121 yards, two touchdowns this past weekend. Uh, man, he's just... You see that different level of athleticism with him. And leads Georgia in receptions again. Yes, of course, which, yeah. I mean, last year we were He's talking the best about player him. on the best team. Yeah, and it's just, it's amazing to watch the tight end position evolve the way it has because, like, if you remember 20 years ago, it was Tony Gonzalez and it was Shannon Sharp. But Shannon Sharp was in the back end of his career. So it was really TG. And... TG was on such a different level than every other tight end in the league. Like, just on a way different... Nobody was matching what he was doing at that level. And really, in the last 10 years, there's now, like, a pretty healthy top tier of tight ends. You got you got Kelsey. Like, people have tried to put Darren Waller in there, but, like, he really only had, like, one or two years where he was playing like that. Um, Mark Andrews has been one of those elite tier tight ends. One of the guys I think absolutely deserves to be in the conversation now is TJ Hawkinson at a, uh, the tight end at a, at a Minnesota with the Vikings. 
Uh, he's been great <laughs> this year. He was great last year. He was almost 1,000 yards last year. I think now you're starting to kind of see this renaissance where really athletic, taller players are able to play that position and develop themselves as pass catchers in a way that we have not seen at a, at a besides the rare unicorn here and there, we've not seen it at this, no, at this quantity before. He's the guy I covet the Chiefs the most, to be honest with you, Brock Bowers. He had those two touchdowns in this game. Put it this way, second, third, and fourth on this team, Georgia, was last year, three, or last week, three receptions, three receptions, three receptions. Bowers triples that with nine. I mean, yeah. he is the go-to guy. He's the guy with Carson Beck starting at quarterback now that they're going to. He's been the bell cow for that team. It's one of the – sometimes you look at a team and you look at the perfect fit. Yeah. Like, that is the perfect fit. I, I could sit here and listen to an argument of Marvin Harrison Jr. I could listen – to that argument, I would. But co- the tight end is so important for this offense. I would kind of covet like Marvin Bowers. a little bit more than Brock. I, I think Marvin. I mean, I think Marvin's going to be better than Brock. Here's the thing, but though, I think Bowers is going to be great. With Bowers is a special tight end. He now, is. I think there's other he special wide receivers. Maybe not to Marvin's level, especially if it's at Calvin Johnson level. Yeah. But you got to think. All right, what is there more of in the draft? More good wide receivers. Or more good tight ends. I think there's more good wide receivers than tight ends. Yeah, but the one thing I will say, though, is that I just don't think... Like, the way that the Chiefs use Kelsey is not the same way that most teams use their tight ends. I mean, he's more of a de facto wide receiver in this offense over the last, like, three or four years now. Especially with Tyreek gone, he's definitely kind of taken up that mantle as the number one wide receiver. So, if the Chiefs want to go out there and get a guy that is going to be a number one wide receiver, I would, if they could get their hands on Harrison, I would take him. But I mean, again, like if Bowers is there or if he's reachable with the trade, go get him. You know, cause they've he won would what, be 20, the Kelsey apprentice. 20 games in a row. So Bowers this year has 22 catches, right? Yes. Uh, number two on the team, Marcus Rosemary slash Jack Saint. It's a long name. And he's got 11. <laughs> and then, uh, Dominic Levette, the transfer from Missouri, actually has 17 catches. So he's five catches different between them. He is just the source, the go-to guy. And if you're looking at Georgia, he's the guy on offense you want to stop. That's what sticks out to me. Like, can you be the Kelsey? Because Kelsey's for years been the guy to stop for the right. Chiefs. Are you the guy? I'm not talking like, look at Ohio State. We, okay, they have uh, two receivers that are going to the top ten. Georgia does not have two players on offense. They're going, and we look at uh, Jalen Williams in uh, at Washington, and now Jalen Pools there too for two, and then Odunze. So three wide receivers that could be you know one in two days, especially with Pool being the second day selection. But he is the main guy. As far as uh, non tight ends go, I think I'm really I've been really intrigued by the uh, Michael Penix Jr storyline just the way that this guy has really elevated himself and you're not still not quite hearing the hype yet you're still there's still some drake made truthers out there in the the mock draft world but i think by the end of the season Penix jr is going to clearly be the number two quarterback in this class behind Caleb Well, Vegas has already listed him now as the Heisman favorite. <laughs> so he is the I, I, think it's a very, I think he's got a very great chance to win the Heisman this year. I mean, this year, he's got 450, 409, 473, and 304. He leads college. He leads the FBS in passing yards. Leads the FBS 16 in touchdowns. passing yards. 16 yeah. touchdowns. He's killing it right now. Special player. Special player. And granted, yes, he has two NFL wide receivers to throw to. Joe Burrow had two I think he's NFL. Got three. Yeah, yeah, three actually. Um, and then, I mean, if you remember Joe Burrow, he had two NFL wide receivers too with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. He had an NFL yeah, running back and Clyde Edwards Lair. And, and Justin Jefferson was your number two. Yeah, and Shad yeah. Moss was his tight end. I mean, he had a Clyde a, in the backfield. Yeah, he had a stacked offense. Clyde over fifty catches that last I know, year. There. Yeah, he's he had a stacked offense and over a thousand yards rushing. The only player ever in the SEC history to have a thousand yards rushing and fifty receptions. Right, that, that yeah. offense went fourteen draft picks on that team. Yeah, I mean, that very very talented class. And when I look at Penix Jr., I look at him and I just see a similar kind of pedigree there where it's like you you look at him and it's like okay this guy you put him in a right squad with some talent around him he can make some things happen uh i don't 
condone drafting a quarterback and not having any weapons for him. I mean, I don't think very many people are going to be able to go out there and do what like CJ Stroud's doing in Houston right now, where he's got Nico Collins, a guy that nobody's ever heard of, and he's got Tank in the Bell. Ohio State. Yeah, the, he's got Robert Woods. The Ohio State quarterback jigs. He's got whatever's left of, of Robert Woods out there, who's just been a journeyman his entire career, getting traded everywhere. And then you got Tank Dell, who just come out of absolutely nowhere and has become what looks like a number one wide receiver. I'm glad I, I picked him up in my big money league in fantasy. And it's like he's having success. When one I don't think I had Tank. I don't think. I, yeah, I know you. You did have Tank there, and I had uh, Tank because he was he went in the third round. Yeah, but he was five ten, one sixty five. Right. I say small, but right, just but came out of nowhere. Fifteen catches, two hundred fifty one yards in yeah, the NFL. He yeah. just came out of nowhere and just turned into a very good receiver. And I, I don't know if the situation – I don't know if there's a great situation for Penix to go to, but I think if he goes to the right spot and they are con- make a concerted effort, a la the Bengals, with Joe Burrow, where it's like, okay, we get you T. Higgins the year you're drafted. Oh, let's go get Jamar Chase the next year. If you stay invested in getting talent, I think Penix could be really, really good at the NFL level. So there's one of these game-changing quarterbacks. You talk about Shadur and Caleb and yeah. Drake May and, and Penix Jr. and Quinn Ewers. I mean, it's going to be, again, this is, if you suck and you don't like your quarterback. It's a good year to go get one. A la Chicago Bears, go yeah. get one. And then, finally, uh, wide receiver Keon Coleman, Florida State. Just, I mean, I... I if we're going who's the number two wide receiver, I think Keon Coleman makes a great case for it. I think you could also go Malik Neighbors like, at LSU. I put Malik just a slight bit ahead of him. But I just, when I see Keon Coleman, first off, he's 6'4". Teams love that. And not only does he have the height, not only is he is, is a big physical uh, target, like a T. Higgins type, he's also got some wheels on him. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he ran like a 4'4". Uh, forty in the in the in the combine. If he ran a four four at six four, that probably catapults him right behind up to to that number two spot, right behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I just see so much from him this past week: five catches, eighty six yards, two touchdowns. Right now, he's tied for first in receiving touchdowns with six on the season. I just when I see this kid playing, the size, the athleticism. The ability to just make these catches, you know, make these difficult possession style catches over defense. He's mossing guys. I just see a guy that's got so much talent that I could see a team being like, yeah, I want that because it makes my quarterback's job easier. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking receivers. <laughs> There's a reason. And we're, go- we're going to a lot There's more a this reason. year now. I mean, I w- I've been on, on getting a receiver in the first round for years, and this is. Probably the year to do it. I could be sold. The defensive line is still going to be an issue for the Chiefs. I know they're going to still go heavy on defensive backs. But let's face it. you got a top 10 defense at this point. Load up the offense. This, this, I'm saying this is sit back, relax, grab a drink, and a cigar, and enjoy the receivers in this year's draft. So going on to the guys that I think have made themselves the most money from this past weekend. A uh, guy that we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, Xavier Weaver out of Colorado right now is fourth in FBS in receptions. He was nine for 75 against Oregon, and that beat down from the Ducks on the on the Buffaloes. But I, I think that Weaver, you know, we had, we had all that Travis Hunter hype early in the season there, but Weaver has quietly been one of the best receivers in the FBS this year, and I think he's really putting himself into that second-day range, that maybe late second, early third round, he could get he could get brought in by a team and kind of be the sleeper, the Tank Dell of the class, if you will. Yeah. So I'm That's a good I, comparison. I think he's made a, a lot of money for himself here in this year because again, very quietly. Again, he's not the star. It's Shador. It's Travis Hunter. Even though Hunter's not going to be eligible for the draft this year, it's consistency. Consistently putting yeah. up numbers, and especially doing it at a Power Five, where like you know at the Power Five level. You don't see a lot of guys who are producing a ton as far as receptions, yards, touchdowns, because a lot of those guys are big play guys. You know, catch it and then just, you know, blaze through the defense for scores. But this year, there's a lot of guys who are putting up, like, the NFL-style production. You know, 13 catches for 110 yards and and a touchdown. You know, not getting those, not averaging, like, 25 yards a reception. 
Like, there's a lot of guys like that that are putting up more of the medium-style production. He's had at least nine catches in three of his four yeah. games. I mean, he's just... Yeah. And again, he's playing with Travis Hunter. So, yeah. that's that's there's something to be said about... He was the guy forgotten at the TCU game. Yeah. Very forgotten. Game. Very forgotten. But he's he's been but awesome. But he had six for 118. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And we didn't talk about him because Travis Hunter went out there and caught a pick in yeah. that game. So, I give, we, give Weaver a lot of credit. I think he's... I think maybe later on in the season he'll start to get his respect, but I I do think teams are gonna know are noticing what he's doing and putting him on their radar for sure. Another guy that's very quietly, like super quietly, been a, one of the best receivers in college football, Xavier Leggett, wide receiver out of South Carolina, five catches, one hundred nine hundred eighty nine yards and two touchdowns this past weekend. He leads the FBS in receiving yards with 556 yards. He's a guy, and you got to have that quarterback, right? You have to have right. that special quarterback. Yeah. Spencer Rattler, I'm telling you, I, I've been a fan of this guy when he went to Oklahoma, and people have kind of given up on him. <laughs> I've given up on him. Spencer Rattler's quietly had a really, really good season. <laughs> he had a really good season at the end of last year. Chris, we're talking about a guy that could be in the first round. In Spencer Rattler, but Xavier is his big. What's that? I don't think he's a first round quarterback. You know what? He, he's built probably himself, second day. You know, people are starting to pay more attention to Spencer Rattler, but if you watch his games, he's very consistent in the pocket and, and what he's doing. He had two eighty eight and three touchdowns in this last game, but you know, ninety two percent earlier this year, seventy seven percent in one game, ninety percent completion, eighteen of twenty in this game. I mean, the accuracy's there, but yeah. anyway, it's a different guy, Spencer Rattler, but. Again, yeah. we're talking quarterbacks that could jump up there. Whatever, but Xavier is a stud. That's his main target yeah. in South Carolina. Yeah, and he's like I, I said, I was I was looking at the statistics, and I was just like, man, this kid's really he's getting up there now. And he's six three, two hundred and thirty yeah. pounds. And you know how teams like the size like that. Like, yeah, they love the 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 smaller guys who are really fast and able to to catch and then run for for long touchdowns. But they also, especially if your quarterback's not great, or if your quarterback's to chuck the ball down the field, you like those bigger wide receivers who have good athleticism and can just go up there and just straight moss defenders. Again, that's, that's something the that big, teams bigger will, physical yeah, wide receivers. Teams will always covet guys who are six three, six four, who can just go up and pull the ball out of the air. So, especially as teams start to go with more of the too high safety look, they want those guys who can win it in traffic down the field. Um, Malik Neighbors, wide receiver at LSU. Uh, this guy is just the model for consistency right now. Eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Third in the FBS right now in receiving yards. Um, he's also up there with receptions. I mean, this guy is – he could be one of those guys. He, he, I, I, like I said, I, th- I don't think he's going to be the number two receiver in this draft class. I think Keon Coleman is making a really, really strong case for that. But – I think Neighbors has a chance to be one of the more consistent guys coming out of this draft class. And play with the Heisman contending quarterback and Jaden Daniels. I like Malik Neighbors. Oh, he's six foot. He's not six one. He could be maybe a shade under at the combine. Yeah, he's a a shade under two hundred receivers. Malik Neighbors to me is the playmaker, man. Yeah, like I I consider him eight touchdowns this season. Come on, man. He's just he's not like the the huge the big play type receiver. He's more. I gave him too many. He's got five. Yeah. He's good. He's a good route runner. He's very solid as a pass catcher. Just like you know, you throw it in his vicinity. You know, unless he slips or something, he's probably catching it. And he just finds ways to to get open and make plays. Like that was the one thing I saw from him. Uh, through I've seen through him in the, throughout the the games this year is just how consistent and solid he is. And you see guys like that, and and they jump out because it's like okay. Third and long, who are you going to throw to? Oh, you're going to throw to Malik Neighbors. Like, you you just know that the ball's going to him, and he's going to make a play. And it, it was, it was kind of like that with Justin Jefferson, though Jefferson had a more explosive athleticism. But you knew third and long, it's probably going to be Jay Jet or it's going to be uh, Jamar Chase that yeah. was going to go out there and make a play. That's why Jamar got that uh, Blitnikoff. Right. Nice little award there. Yeah, exactly. You, you love those Blitnikoff guys. Yeah. And then finally for moneymakers there um, – Dallas Turner, man, edge rusher, Alabama. I I was waiting to see what he was going to do this year because I've 
seen the Jared Verse hype for a while. Uh, JT Tui Molau, I think. I think I can't. I don't have the name in front of me. I think it's Tui Molau. Uh, edge rusher out of Ohio State was another guy I talked about. Jack Sawyer um, on the other side. Liatu Latu from UCLA is another guy I think could be a very good edge rusher in this draft class. But Dallas Turner, man, has just been killing it the he, last two weeks. He is, and he was the difference. If you watched that uh, Alabama Ole Miss game, he stood out. Listen, he burst on the scene as a freshman, right? Yes. Like he burst on the scene and has eight and a half sacks, 10 tackles for losses, total of 30 tackles. Last year, more consistent with the tackles. He had 37 last year, four sacks. Put it this way. This year, he's already got 17 tackles, so he's yeah. going to crush his tackle uh, record. But, again, you don't really care about that. You care about tackles for losses and sacks. Right. He's got six and a half tackles for loss, loss. only eight last year. He only had four sacks last year. Again, down from eight and a half because he burst that first year. But at four and a half, like he said, the production's up. He is peaking at the right time. Like yeah. his arrow is pointing forward. I think Jared Verse is going down. Right. Dallas Turner is going straight up. Yeah. I mean, right now he's four and a half sacks his last two games. Four and a half sacks. His he made last that difference that Alabama's defense was, was swarming. Yeah. And they need their defense right now because their offense is having troubles. They're they're trying to figure out not who a their good game against is. Texas, but they've been solid since then. Right. Let's sure you had the explosiveness to Texas. Right. And but man, their defense is yeah. really showing up. And I'll say this, man. Like, I think that. The right time to judge edge rushers is when they start playing their conference, especially the guys in the SEC. Judge them against conference opponents. Like, I don't care what you do against McNeese State or the Citadel. Yeah. I don't – that doesn't – cool, you got two sacks in a game. Yeah, you should have gotten to the quarterback because in all likelihood your quarterback was just going to run right into you because they're probably running some sort of read option system in the, in the first place. But when you get to your conference play, you start playing guys who could be playing in the NFL, and you're out here doing what he's done the last couple weeks, that's incredibly impressive. And I look at what he's showing me right now, and it's like, at this point, he's probably, I think he's pretty solidified as a top 10 pick. And I think he could be a top 5 pick. He could be end up being the number one edge. Yeah, I think he. I, I, I think at I, right this now, point, if I was selecting the two, would be. I think at this point, yeah, uh, if I was selecting uh, for that position, it would absolutely be Dallas Turner right now, just because I, I just don't think that Jared Verse has shown me a whole lot, and I think there's a lot of guys right behind him that are also showing a lot, and this is a prime year for him, for, for Jared Verse, and he's not giving you anything. So going to our watch list for Week Five. First matchup, want to bring up Georgia, Auburn. Georgia's making the trip over to Auburn. This one, obviously, tight end Brock Bowers is going to be the guy you want to watch because could be a future chief if things shake out the way that we would like them to. And then you've got Amarius Mim, who is a uh, Marius Mims, who's a tackle for Georgia as well. Injured ankle, still not sure yeah. if he's going to play this week or not. Yeah. But again, plays right tackle. This is a good game. If you're a Chiefs fan, this is a right. good game because you're talking offensive line, tied in like we've been talking about. Yeah. And, and I'll I, throw in defensive backs, Javon Bullard and Kamari Lassiter, yeah. uh, defensive backs for Georgia. So, again, you have the defensive backs, the tackle, and tight and end. Mims it's a good a, game to watch. And Mims is a guy that I've heard could before be better Before Philadelphia than, takes them all. Yeah, exactly. I could. He was a guy I was hearing before the season could be better than what Broderick Jones was. Which is a year. shock because he's right tackle. Right, yeah. exactly. So, if, if you're hearing about him being – better than Broderick Jones, who was one of the more coveted tackles in last year's in this past year's draft class. That says a lot about what he could do. I mean he's he's very athletic from from what I've seen. Good length on him. So I I, I definitely think that that's gonna be a game to watch for sure. Another game and this you know if you'd asked me a couple years ago, <laughs> probably not that great of a game to watch. KU taking on Texas. KU is number 23 in the nation. Texas is number three in the nation. The guys w w you want to watch out for, obviously, from an offensive standpoint, Quinn Ewers, the quarterback for Texas, wide receiver Xavier Worthy for Texas. Definitely watch Xavier Worthy because that will be a guy probably talked about with the Chiefs. Yeah, could be a late first guy there. Actually, there's two Chiefs, Jatavian Sanders and him. Yeah. And the other guy, Jatavian Sanders, the tight end. end for Texas. Who spent some time. Um, then on the defensive side, I mean, Texas got some players there. Two guys. On the interior of the D-line, Byron Murphy the second, Tavondre Sweat. Both of those guys, are, especially Tavondre Sweat, he's talked about a lot. And then uh, 
Jalen Catalan. Yeah, the safety. Safety out of Texas. I like him a lot, too. He's a versatile player that can move back there. But Catalan's definitely a guy to watch. Of course, I told you to watch Jeremiah Trotter, the Clemson linebacker last yeah, week. Yeah, he's, and he, he's been one of the high, well, higher rated linebackers. He missed a tackle well. that made a difference in the game. <laughs> he got right out of it. Yeah. Like Florida State, you got, you got him wrapped up, and I looked down and said, oh, man, it's Jeremiah yeah. Trotter. So be careful yeah. with that. But, yeah. but Catalan, again, Texas loaded. Uh, if you're sitting here for the Chiefs, because I, I seriously think it's going to be, it's going to be wide, it's going to be tight end, it's going to be wide receiver, it's going to be in the offensive line, it's going to be interior defensive line. Yeah, I think those are the four. Secondary, I think, is kind of set with this team. I would, right. I would, I think you know so. what, mid round safety maybe so, but you're going to see Shamari Connor start to get more of that role. Yeah, I'm with not, the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm not sure that safety is somewhere they go mid round. That's yeah. probably like maybe seventh round or so. But yeah, I think I think you kind of pinpoint the positions of of need for the Chiefs for next year. Um, Next matchup, LSU, number 12, taking on number 20, Ole Miss. Malik Neighbors, who we just brought up, wide receiver at LSU, going to be a big guy to watch. And then you have Brian Thomas. He, five touchdowns for Brian Thomas. Again, Chris, this guy's 6'4", 205. Yeah. He's kind of the under-talked-about guy with LSU. Yeah, probably a second, third-day guy. Um, but but the, again, we're talking height, height, the height. The size is something that could entice a team there. So, certainly someone to watch out for. Mason Smith, defensive tackle at LSU. Makai Wingo on the defensive line. Yeah, so, like, they, there's some options there for the Chiefs as well. I think uh, the most likely guys watch to Smith watch Smith and Wingo for, on the defensive line. Watch yeah, these guys. Yeah, definitely want to watch that interior of the, of the D-line there for LSU. And then you have number 11, Notre Dame, taking on number 17, Duke. This is a big quarterback matchup here. You've got Sam Hartman out of Notre Dame. You've got Riley Leonard out of Duke. Two guys who could be first round picks. I kind of doubt it, but <laughs> if they, they do, could man, be. we're talking like eight oh, to ten. That'd be, now. that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. I don't think I don't think either go in the first round, but it's very possible. Uh, r- running back Audric Esteem, a guy that we talked about last week as a big money maker who has just been he's killed it this year. No, he is, but it's weird because he was out in certain situations. Like they well, didn't use him as their bell cow. They right, rest him on, on key drives. Yeah. I was shocked. I wonder if there's an injury or something we didn't. I know don't know, about. but I was shocked about it. But again, yeah. we're behind that great offensive line and Joe Alton, Blake Fisher, those tackles. Right, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Audric Esteem is definitely a guy you wanna you wanna look out for. He could be a potential second day, very good running back for somebody. Both tackles on Notre Dame, Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, going to be options for the Chiefs, I think. I think more so Fisher than Alt. Alt's probably going to be a top 10 pick, I think. Let me throw about a guy in between them, between Alt and Fisher, but he's on the Duke side. Graham Barton, the offensive tackle, left tackle, considered one another of the better guy, tackles in the draft. Another guy I've heard about. But yeah. I, as far as talent, I'd go Alt, then I'd go Graham Barton, then Blake Fisher. So the two Notre Dame guys with the sandwich in the middle of uh, Graham Barton from Duke. Another game I think we should be watching out for. South Carolina at number one, Tennessee. Guy I brought up already, Xavier Leggett, wide receiver for South Carolina, who's re- I think going to start to put himself up there in the uh, in the in the that upper echelon. Probably a second day guy, I think, at wide receiver. Um, your guy, Spencer Rattler, quarterback. Yeah, South watch Carolina. him. Juice Wells still out with a broken bonus foot. Juice yeah. Wells was considered like a top 10 receiver coming into the season. Yes. And then Brew McCoy, wide receiver out of Tennessee. 6'3", 220. Yeah, big, you know, good size on him. A guy that I have seen probably as a second or third round pick. Um, but he's certainly got some potential from the size standpoint. Where some, if he has a really good rest of the season, if he has a really good uh, lead up to the draft, he could be like late first. So, but Bruce McCoy's probably a, a second day pick for sure. And then finally, probably the game, probably the 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 just from a, a standpoint of weapons you want to watch. Uh, number seven, Washington going down to Tucson to play Arizona, and uh, our guy is probably uh, we think is going to be the number two quarterback in this draft class, Michael Penix Jr. Going to be a guy to watch. Not, I mean, obviously this isn't a Chiefs thing. This is more of a you're fan of the NFL type thing for him. But it does play into it because you get these, get these yeah, quarterbacks. It does man. help out you, the Chiefs. You want all the quarterbacks to do well. Yes. Because you want them being selected before the Chiefs pick. And then uh, two wide receivers, I think, you absolutely, like, I seriously, like either of these guys, if they were to be available, I would love. Uh, Roma Dunzi for Washington. And then the other guy on the other side of the offense is Jalen McMillan. Would love if either of these guys were to be drafted by the the Chiefs. Both of these guys got some big play potential. I'm not quite sure Dunsey will be there, but I think Jalen McMillan has a really good shot to be there. 
So that's one guy I want to watch out for. Um, another guy you brought up, Jalen Polk. Jalen Polk is quietly putting together a, a good season. And sometimes you're skeptical a little bit about it. Like, okay, how good is he? Because we've seen guys. Yeah. Very like Ryan Sims is on the same defensive line as Julius Pepper. So right. sometimes you don't want to get too enamored. Yeah, you don't want to get the, the number guy two that's guy. Not, that's not getting the attention. Like you want somebody that, that's maybe not garnering at that. But three wide receivers. And keep in mind, though, Jalen Polk is a guy a lot of people are starting to talk about nationally, and especially around the University of Washington program, because he did play at Texas Tech before he transferred uh, to Washington. But people look at him and say, okay, he's got 21 catches, 427 yards. Okay, so we talk about Odunze, and you talk about Jalen McMillan. Polk actually has better receiving numbers in yards than McMillan and more touchdowns. So in yeah. all three categories, he's actually ahead of McMillan. Again, it's the attention brought on these guys right. by the defense, but Jalen Polk's one of those guys, 6'2", 204, and he's a real playmaker at wide receiver. Um, so keep an eye on him. But they, it's, <laughs> it's your Heisman Trophy leader in Penix and three receivers. Nobody's got a receiving room. Not even Ohio State no. is good as Washington. Right, and I, and, and or, or Florida State, who is another team that looks like they're loaded at, at wide receiver as well with, with Johnny Wilson Jr. and Keon Coleman. It just says a lot about how much talent is out there. I mean, this this could end up being one of the best draft classes for the wide receiver position that we've ever seen. I think it's going to be the most talked about thing. And it's just crazy how much talent is out there right now. I mean, I'm I'm really excited about this draft class for the Chiefs from a receiver standpoint, if that is where they go. I think they could get really good receivers in the second round, too. If you're old now, because if you want the size, you, it's, it's a big reason why I think Justin Ross made this roster for the Chiefs, because he's 6'4". I just I think that this team could very well get one of these big play guys, and they could make a massive difference for them. And you know, certainly as Kelsey continues to... Uh, go deeper into his 30s, it's going to be pertinent that you find someone that could take the mantle as the top receiver for the team. So um, so with that, we close out this edition of the Character Concerns podcast. We will react to week five of college football. Um, the biggest stories from it involving the draft, obviously going to have to consider, you know, keep watching the Chiefs and figuring out what their strengths and weaknesses are. The the wide receiver class issue has really kind of uh, shown itself, though this past weekend we did get a little bit of of uh, good vibes from that receiving from that receiving core. Sky Moore had a pretty good game. Rasheed Rice had a really good game. So there's some promise there, but it might be a good idea for the Chiefs to supplement that with another really good young pass catch. Wide receivers are better than people thought. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the white, this wide receiver class is a lot better than I think people would give a credit Tech for. Deal. Great weekend. Yeah. Puka, he's always been good this Just, year. Yeah, and now, of course, you got uh, Rasheed Rice having a nice year. Yeah, so it, there's there's certainly some strides made by this receiver class. I think a lot of people didn't quite give it the credit that it deserved because it wasn't as obvious. But this is a, this past wide receiver class, I think, was better than than people thought it was. So we'll continue to monitor that, monitor that situation. For Jay Binkley, I'm Christian O'Sarrell. Thanks for listening.